with Alex Kukta, and today we're doing uh, creepiest songs or something along those lines. We're like we're trying to go for a creepy vibe. <laughs> um, yeah, this uh, we're we're gonna release this podcast around Halloween. You know, we're trying to get into the vibe, and uh, who else better than to have Alex Kukta? Well, thank on, you. I'm <laughs> on flattered the, on the podcast for creepy things. Hey. So, how you doing, man? It's been, interest. Pretty good. It's been a while it's since you've minute. been on uh, this podcast. It's been a minute. It's been a couple minutes. The last time we, lo- the last time you were on, we did uh, a Michael Jackson theme. I think that's right. I remember being pretty scatterbrained for that one too. <laughs> There's too many conversation points to have. So, yeah. You know. No, it's that's good. This is exactly what. That's a tough part about these things. Is there? There. I could just go into so many different directions that this would just come off as a complete rant. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's my problem with these. I just, you know, I, think, I can't I think, keep it on the same track. I think know? the last time you were trying to convince me that, like, Michael Jackson was, like, some weird warlock or something. What? <laughs> that could be. I don't remember that, but maybe. <laughs> I won't deny it. Um, Neither confirm nor deny. So, dude, you were telling me about this crazy thing. We're just going to get into it, by the way. Um, actually, let me first, before we get into it, I'm going to explain right. to the audience how the, this episode is going to work. So, uh, since we're going for like a creepy theme or whatever, um, we'll do. We'll say it's called a creepy song sure. for Halloween or something. Um, I'm gonna pick. You're gonna pick two songs. I'm cool. gonna pick two songs. Uh, we'll, you know, you'll go and then I'll go, and then you'll go and then I'll go. Cool. Um, and it doesn't. It, you know, it's only really bound by the idea of like being creepy. So, sure. uh, it's whatever is creepy to you. So, you know, it can be a TV song. A film soundtrack, uh, an actual song, or whatever the fuck you know. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's how that's how it's gonna work, and we're just gonna have a conversation in between and, and see where it goes. So, speaking of which, uh, you were telling me this like uh, really crazy uh, story about like this missing child case. Yes. So I want you to get into that. Explain explain to the audience. There is a boy who went missing when he was 11 years old by the name of Johnny Gosh. He went missing on September 5th of 1982 from West Des Moines, Iowa, right off his paper route one Sunday morning. And let me first start by saying, there are a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Some of them get shut down pretty quick. Some of them get confirmed and, you know, we they get released to the media and it completely changes our perspective on something, right? You know, when it comes to theories that are unfounded, we've got all the ones about JFK, right? But then when it comes to conspiracies that are real, you can look at the situation in Flint and how the situation was kept from the residents for so long. You know, city documents were destroyed, you know, and now we're seeing that it actually did fuck up a lot of people's lives. You know, that's a real conspiracy. You know, we know this. What I want to tell people with this one is I I don't want to tell you. I just want you to deduce, you know, your own conclusions from the information that we're going to give you. And all this information that we're going to talk about is information that is available to the public. You just got to dig deep enough for it. Okay. So, some of this stuff may be true, some of this stuff may be false, but I think some of it is true, and there is at least somewhat of a cover-up that has happened. Okay, so back to the story. Johnny Gosh, 11 years old, goes missing on his paper route one morning in West Des Moines, Iowa. And this is apparently the only morning that his dad did not accompany him on his paper route. And this is the day that he gets kidnapped. Okay. So some strange guy in some black Ford rolls up. He's talking to Johnny. Johnny gets weirded out by the guy. 
hollers for an adult to come over and help him with directions. Dude spe- you know, just peels out. At one point, he comes back again, and he tries to talk to Johnny again. Johnny blows him off again, and then this guy clicks his dome light a few times in his car and drives off. And then, now three witnesses have been accounted as seeing different parts of this kidnapping take place, but they all saw different parts of it. So one person saw, you know, this dome light go off, and then this guy come out from between two houses and start following Johnny from like a block away. Another person saw, you know, Johnny uh, make it pretty close to the corner of this street, and some guy gets out of this car, throws him into this car, and the car just speeds off past the stop sign. That's all anyone ever sees of Johnny ever again, apparently. So, Johnny's dad goes out, and he sees Johnny's, uh, uh, what's the word? His wagon sitting there. And he also sees their dog sitting there, too. I don't know if the dog was tethered down there or not, but the dog was sitting there with the wagon, and I don't know if his bike was there or what. His dad races home and says, something's wrong. You know, Johnny's not there. I saw his wagon. I can't find him anywhere. So they call the police, and the police, from the very beginning, aren't taking anything seriously. They're acting like he was just a runaway. They're not putting any kind of stake whatsoever in him being kidnapped. And seeing as this is 1982, this is the time when uh, police would not act for 72 hours when it came to a child being kidnapped. You know, I I saw when we were watching this documentary on it, uh, someone had made a comment that they would track your car across state lines immediately, and they wouldn't even do that for your child. They would wait 72 hours for your child. You know what I mean? And seeing as how, you know, Johnny was never found and everything, apparently, uh, Noreen Gosh, his mom, she has been very vocal on criticizing the West Des Moines Police Department and, you know, acting like, you know, they've been very irresponsible in the way that they've dealt with um, the case and everything. Mm-hmm. And the police chief was just very negligent. You know, this is a guy who's apparently, has apparently been on record as drinking on the job, making a complete ass of himself in front of the whole town. All this crazy shit, you know. The police chief? Right. Yep, the okay. police chief. Eventually, like, uh... uh Everything came to a head, and he was just talking shit about Noreen Gosh, saying, like, he doesn't care what she thinks and all this stuff. And the guy Mm -hmm. eventually ended up stepping down six months later amid all of these controversies that he had uh, expressed, you know, racial biases towards black and Hispanic people in Des Moines and how, uh, you know, he had given his family members, you know, breaks and everything with, like, speeding tickets and whatnot. Yeah. You know, so the guy goes under six months later. Okay, now throughout the years, from 1982 and throughout the 80s, there's a few, you know, pickups in the case here and there, but there's not a whole lot of substantial stuff, right? You know, at one point, a clerk finds a dollar bill that said, I am alive, and it was signed Johnny Gosh. Yeah, I, I saw that in the documentary, and that's like straight out of like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was, I was thinking, like, can you imagine if that's how, like, an episode of, uh, of a case or yeah. like some SPU sort of thing. I'm sure so it's actually used it. It would be, yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, it'd be like right before like the first act ends. You right. know, they're True like, that. what does this say? Dun dun. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But b- before you go on, right. how did you stumble onto the story? Right. Well, obviously, uh, I think a lot of people's uh, interest in something like this was kind of pepped up again, and in, uh, in light of the findings of Jacob Wetterling's body, uh, and the confession by Danny Heinrich that he had kidnapped him and assaulted him and, you know, murdered him and 
and everything back in 89 and yeah. you know hearing stories like that that just kind of like freshens people's interest and you know desire to kind of find out more things especially if it has like a local connection right. you know so I'm seeing that and then uh, I go on Netflix and I see that there's a documentary called Who Took Johnny and that's the one I saw and I just you know saw the little synopsis to it and I figured okay I'll check it out and this documentary became so much fucking more than anything I even expected yeah like I you know I, I hate to relegate missing children to just you know kind of being you know throwaway news but it's like you hear about so many kids who go missing and you never hear about them again and that's it they turn into cold case files and we don't really think anything else, else of them afterwards yeah you know and I figured this was probably going to be one of those sad stories where that kind of thing happened nope this thing just sent me down the fucking rabbit hole of one of like the craziest conspiracies that I've ever researched. Yeah, it's just nuts. Okay, and, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, um, <clears throat> and from what I understand, because I watched this documentary too, uh, but you went way further than, <laughs> than I did. Um, <laughs> a lot of the conspiracy ended up being true, correct? Yeah. So yeah, they, well, here that's the thing. That's the weird thing about it. You know, like there, there are three possibilities with this conspiracy. It's all completely true. Most of it's false, or it's somewhere down the middle. And I'm more inclined to think that it's somewhere down in the middle. Yeah, you know? like mostly. Right. Yeah. So okay, they found they they find the uh, dollar bill. Right. With his name, or right. it's his handwriting, correct? See, that's that's a weird thing too. Is that like, you know, you hear you see something like that, and that's a piece of evidence that like would be so fucking hard to verify. And I'm I'm unsure whether or not they uh, matched the signature. Hmm. I'm unsure on whether or not they did that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also Noreen Gosh has undergone some serious psychological you know she's taken a pretty serious psychological toll from missing her son for this long yeah. and she tends to believe some things that are very outrageous you know in regards to her son like she thinks that there's a lot of crazy shit about her son that it seems like she's the only person who thinks this right. you know what i mean but at the same time she has been so involved in all this other shit that it's so hard to believe what's true and what's false right. you know and that dollar bill i don't know i don't know how much of that they verified okay you know but well uh, Anyway, that was one of the big ones that was, uh, you know, after he had been kidnapped and everything. Now, 1989 rolls around. Well, you know, I should also mention, I should also mention, before that, Noreen Gosh got very involved with, like, uh, the Center for Missing and Exploited Children and, uh, you know, trying to work with, like, John Walsh from America's Most Wanted and everything in trying to, you know, get new laws reformed and everything. And Johnny Gosh was one of the first kids who was ever featured on the milk carton. You know, of missing kids and everything. I, I gotta say, too, I've never seen a milk cart with a missing kid on it. Oh, really? That shit creeps the hell out of me, man. I've never seen one. Oh, I I guess, I mean, I, I feel like I have, but I've, yeah. I've definitely seen them on... It's such a cliche on, that you uh, think you have, yeah. but I mean, I don't... I've I definitely don't seen that. them on grocery bags. Yep, grocery bags, and also at uh, post offices, too, I've seen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, uh, there also was that law, like we said, that 72 hours before the cops investigate, uh, Noreen Gosh's uh, very strong persistence attributed to that uh, law being changed so that whenever a kid is reported missing, the, the cops have to act immediately on it, you know, whether it's a runaway or whether it's been kidnapped or whatever. Okay, so 1989 rolls around. There's a guy named Paul Bonacci, or Benassi. I've heard it pronounced a few different ways. I'm not really sure how it is. I yeah. think it's Bonacci because it's, it's two C's. Yeah. It sounds Italian. Right. Anyway, so... This dude is in prison somewhere in Nebraska or Iowa, and one day he decides to tell his attorney that he was involved in kidnapping Johnny when he was 14 years old back in 1982. And he had done it because he was forced into the sex slave uh, trade based out of Omaha when he was a kid. And he was pretty much just raised to become one of these goons 
who, you know, was kidnapped and sexually assaulted as a kid, and then he just goes and, you know, adds to the cycle of kidnapping more kids and feeding them into this fucked up cycle of a child sex ring that's based out of Omaha and reaches out coast to coast and wherever else. So he tells his attorney this, and his attorney is just like, what the fuck? This is nuts. And Paul Minacci apparently has multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder, which is kind of like a modern take on multiple personality. Mm -hmm. Now, Paul Bonacci, he wasn't going to take any kind of plea deal or anything. He had nothing to gain from saying this, you know, or maybe he did. Maybe he thought that, you know, if this is false, maybe he thought that they would offer him a plea deal if he kept on telling him this information. But it, mm. by at any means, he was never offered anything for this testimony, right? And this alleged confession, right? So he's saying all this stuff. Benacci's attorney ends up getting a hold of Noreen Gosh, and he tells her, he said, hey, my client says that he was involved in kidnapping your son. You know, like, I don't know if you might want to talk to him, right? Okay, now prior to that, they tried telling everyone. They tried telling the West Des Moines Police Department. They tried telling, like, fucking security guards and everything, all this stuff, and no one believed him. And either it's out of, you know, thinking that this guy is so fucking crazy that nothing he says means anything. Yeah. Or maybe there's that cover-up. You know what I mean? Like, they're not, mm-hmm. they're, tr- they're specifically not talking to him because, say, they have orders by the FBI or something, right? Because the FBI is apparently involved in this. Either That's way, right. yeah. Noreen goes there, and he signs a consent form saying that he'll speak with her, and he doesn't even know who he is when he's signing the papers. And then all of a sudden, she comes in, she says, hey, I'm Johnny's mother. And then he apparently started, just broke down crying right away. Mm-hmm. And just started telling her all these details about these things, about how he's 14 years old and how he helped abduct Johnny and how he put, like, an ether rag over his mouth and everything and how him and Johnny had pretty much just been passed around in, the, you know, the sex slave trade and how they had seen each other numerous times throughout the course of these years and everything, you know, being assaulted and abused mm-hmm. and forced to do all sorts of unspeakable things to other kids and everything. And... Then he's saying that this is all linked back to this crazy fucking pedophile ring that's based out of Omaha that is being led by a guy named Lawrence King, better known by all of his friends as Larry King. No relation to the Larry King. This guy looks more like Don King. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... This guy has been as well, right? Was he? I'm not sure if he was past. He just kind of looked like. Well, they showed this clip of him singing. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. He was singing the national anthem at the 1984 and 88 GOP conventions. Yeah. This dude was a very popular on the on the rise Republican, and he was gaining a lot of traction. And extremely wealthy. Right. So this guy was placed in charge of the uh, the Franklin Community Federal Credit Union in Omaha which was uh, a bank that kind of specialized in giving out loans and money to lower-income minority families throughout Omaha. And this guy was starting to take so much fucking money off the books, he eventually was convicted of embezzling nearly $40 million. Okay. But, like, during these accusations that were first starting, the FBI was investigating that, but then there are all these other people coming forward saying, yeah, that's not all he's doing. He's running this fucking sex ring, too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are involved in it. And it's apparently based out of, uh, or it's, you know, it's obviously based out of Omaha, but uh, the source of a lot of these boys and girls that they're swooping up and giving out to all these, you know, wealthy politicians and shit are from Boys Town, the Boys Town Orphanage and uh, School for Troubled Kids in Nebraska. Yeah. And uh, he had donated so much money 
to Boys Town and like was on like I don't know if he was on their board of directors, but he was very involved with like the interworkings of how the business worked over at Boys Town. And they would get kids from Boys Town to come over and work for his businesses and for, you know, Franklin Credit Union and all that stuff. And so like Paul Bonacci and this girl named Alicia Owen and this guy named Troy Bonner and one other person, I don't remember who, but one other person came forward saying that they were all kids that were involved in this sex ring thing. And this Alicia Owens chick, she is saying all sorts of crazy shit that she's been passed around by all these very, very high-ranking people throughout Omaha. You know what I mean? Like, like rich people, politicians, and fucking cops and everything. She says that she got impregnated by this guy named Robert Wadman, the former chief of Omaha police. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, eventually he ended up stepping down, too, amid controversy. But anyway, um, they're all saying that there's a sex ring based out of Omaha that reaches coast to coast and that it has even been linked to Washington. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the thing that's interesting about that is back in 1989, there was a callboy scandal that got exposed in Washington that involved this lobbyist, a Republican lobbyist named Craig Spence. And he worked underneath the first Bush administration. And I can't think of the guy who, I think he was uh, like Bush's security advisor or something. He pretty much gave Spence uh, access to the White House. And Spence had a few midnight tours of the White House that he took these call boys on, where he just took them on tours of the White House at midnight, taking them through like, you know, the living area of the White House, like taking them on like the tours that you don't get. During the public tour of the White House, right? Callboy? What, what Callboy is, it's like a male prostitute. Oh. Call girl. Oh. You know? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good. And so, uh, also, I think, like, Barney Frankel was involved in this, too. Okay. Barney Frankel was, like, uh, Barney Frank? Okay, why am I thinking Frankel? I'm, there's Frankel, Frankel just sounds more interesting. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. And Barney Frank was <laughs> apparently involved in something like that, too, because Barney Frank had been, like, ordered to testify or something that he was living with a boyfriend at the time, and his boyfriend was running this ring out of their apartment in D.C. Hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, this is shit that's been buried, but you can find it. Like, this is real shit. You know what I mean? Oh, it's verified? Yeah. This is completely verified. Okay. You know what I mean? But, okay, so, um, Craig Spence apparently had access to the White House and was able to take all of these kids to the White House, and one of them he falsely identified as his 15-year-old son. And someone, as reported by the Washington Times back in 89, said that this, uh, 15-year-old was later identified as Paul Bonacci. And Paul Bonacci claims he was there in the White House, getting a midnight tour of the White House prior or, you know, after one of the crazy parties that they went to. The plot Yeah, seriously, man. And, you know, I, I already skipped over so much shit, man. Um, twice, Johnny Gosh has been featured on America's Most Wanted. Uh, one time in the 80s, before they knew anything. And then later on, um, either in 89 or maybe like in the early 90s, Vinacci uh, kept on giving out his claims and everything that there was all this crazy shit and that him and Johnny had been, among many other kids, had been held captive in this ranch out in Colorado. And he said that underneath this ranch, there's a crawl space where all sorts of kids had, uh, you know, scribed their initials in the wall and their names and everything. And uh, that they were taken there by a guy who they call the Colonel, right? And so... They're, they're just like, okay, man, we're going out on a fucking limb for you, but we'll go check it out. So Bonacci takes the crew of America's Most Wanted to this house. And sure enough, he shows them the spot underneath the house where there's a crawl space with names and initials all scribed in the walls and everything. 
Now, spooky fucking shit. Exactly. Now, that in and of itself is spooky, but then when I get back to my skeptical side, I want to know how much investigating did they do into those names and initials yeah. to match those with missing children? Because I don't know how much of that they did. And I would think, that's my first fucking thought. If you see, like, all these names on the walls, and if, like, you recognize them from, like, missing children's lists, right. like, that's a big, that's a big fucking red flag. You know what I mean? Yeah, and who's to say that, like, that that ranch wasn't, you know, some weird fucking homeless right. hangout, you yep. know, where people would just sure. go and do whatever. But it sure. was extremely remote. Yeah, right. it was very remote. And then uh, it, America's Most Wanted kept on running into these fucking just brick walls. They're, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, they tried figuring out who owned the house, and they find out that it was a former security guard who had vanished. No one knew anything about the guy, right? And then um, uh, Bonacci had also explained that Johnny had been branded with a rocking X, which is a kind of a common symbol among uh, cattle brands, and that's like an X with like a portion of a circle drawn under it. So it's like it's like a if you had like a rocking horse, but if the rocking horse was just a big X. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that was what the human brand was and they put it on their arms and stuff. He says that um that's the kind of brand that that uh, Johnny got when he was a kid. And sure enough, there were anonymous callers calling into America's Most Wanted verifying these stories and you know, saying that yeah, I've got that same fucking tattoo and they send in pictures of the brand and saying stuff like they got that brand when they were in child trafficking and everything and in addition to that apparently before Bonacci had come forward and said all this stuff he was receiving letters in the mail about people talking about some things that had happened to them because they knew Paul and they're like hey man that was some pretty fucked up shit that happened with the colonel huh you know just kind of saying stuff like alluding to weird episodes but this is before he had come forth and, and said anything okay so either way all that crazy shit was talked about on America's Most Wanted and then uh, you know, it, it never led anywhere. And apparently, I, I have uh, also heard that John Walsh was approached by the FBI before they ran it, and they told him to squash it. He said, fuck no, I'm running the story, and you can fire me afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how much that is true either, because yeah. I've never heard any of that specifically from Walsh, but I've heard it described about the case. Sure. You know. Well, I, the, the producer <laughs> of American Most Wanted talked yep. about that, right? He's like, yep. he kept running into weird roadblocks by the FBI. Right. Uh, specific, but did the CIA get involved? I'm sure they were. I don't think yeah. they did. Yeah, well, actually, well, here's, I mean, you can get into that, too. There, uh, There is a very interesting part about the CIA. There's a guy named um, Bill Colby, who was the director of the CIA from 1973 to 1976. And he was very good friends, and he also oversaw a guy named John DeCamp. John DeCamp is a 16-year senator and Vietnam veteran who apparently helped save, like, 2,800 kids in Vietnam and everything. And, you know, pretty heroic guy, it seems like. And he was a personal advisor to Bill Colby. And him and Bill Colby became really good friends after Colby had stepped down from the CIA and after DeCamp had left the Senate in Nebraska and started to become, like, an attorney and, like, a personal investigator and stuff, right? Um, DeCamp, I think think he also helped defend... uh, the parents of the uh, the Columbine kids kind of trying to determine if the parents were at any wrongdoing. Dude, this guy claims that he knew a connection to Richard or uh, George Sandusky. What's his name? Jerry Sandusky and uh, Penn State. He claims that he knew he linked the scandal years before it ever broke. And he also claims that he suspected that the antidepressants that the kids from Columbine were on were what contributed to them 
shooting up the school and committing suicide and stuff. Yeah. He claims this, and like this is in the foreword of his book. He says, like, you know, I'm making these claims right here because they're my they're my honest opinion, and I I as as much as I can legally talk about it, these are the things that I think are true, and apparently that had been buried in the media too, because they didn't want these really big prescription companies being exposed as companies that led to young teenagers right. committing a lot of suicide. No, it was just Marilyn Manson. Right. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's just Marilyn Manson, dude. It's only Marilyn Manson. He's the fucking lead. He's the reason for anything that goes wrong in this country is yeah. Marilyn Manson. Anyway. Exactly. Video games and Marilyn Manson are the only things wrong with society. <laughs> okay, so... So, this, Paul Bonacci. Right. Oh, well, okay. I, I, want, I gotta get on John DeCamp for a minute, okay? This oh, John okay. DeCamp guy, this, you know, he's got a lot of very real accomplishments, and then he also claims these other things that are pretty outrageous, but it's like... No one has come forward and said that he's wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Columbine parents never came forward and said, no, you're bullshit. You're never on the case or anything. You know, like, no one's ever sent him, like, a cease and desist in regards to those kinds of claims. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> he was uh, friends with Bill Colby, that former CIA director. And Bill Colby, when he first heard that John DeCamp was trying to pursue this, he told him to stop. He told him, hey, don't go into this any further. And he didn't tell him to stop because it's bullshit. He told him to stop because, dude, you're so far below this that there's there's nothing you're going to be able to do that you'll ever be able to come out on top from this. Like, he, he told him that in so many words. He pretty much said that, like, this reach is so high up, there's no way you're ever going to be able to do this. You know what I mean? Like, sure. so the attention you're bringing to it is the best you're ever going to be able to do. And if you keep on trying to go further with it, your whole family will probably end up dead. That's okay. So we'll go back to Bonacci. Um, I'm trying to link this whole thing together. You know, and the, this is the tough part. This is what making it what's making it sound like a bullshit conspiracy theory is the fact that I'm so scatterbrained about it. You know, but I swear, man, if you could draw out a map to this thing, man, it'd be like Pepe Silva in that episode of Always Sunny. You know, like just like <laughs> yeah. just mapping the whole thing together on a wall or something. But okay, so. I guess Bonacci made all these claims and everything. Uh, America's Most Wanted, he kept on running into walls and whatnot. Um, a company called Yorkshire Productions from England was commissioned by a Discovery Channel to come over to America and try to investigate this Franklin community credit scandal and how much it could be involved with child trafficking out of Omaha. They come down and they shoot for months. They make this whole entire hour-long special. And then right before they're going to air it, uh, Discovery says they don't want to do it. They just want to pull it. So Yorkshire Productions sends a dude from their headquarters in England all the way out to, you know, wherever the fuck, maybe like L.A. or something, to go to Discovery Channel and talk to them to be like, well, why don't you want to run this story? Like, how come you don't want to do this? And, you know, the skeptical side of this says, hey, Maybe they wanted to pull it because all of these claims were unfounded and they couldn't find enough concrete mm -hmm. evidence, you know, implementing all of these fucking high-ranking people. But other people think that they're trying to cover something up and that someone with personal interests came in and said, no, you're not going to run this. We'll pay as much money as we need to not to do it. So it's been rumored that Discovery, when they pulled this, said that, like, Someone had bought, like, the rights to this for, like, $500,000 to have all the copies destroyed. You know what I mean? And, like, they even paid Yorkshire Productions all the money they needed to to be like, okay, thanks for making this special, but it's dead. You know, we're not going to fucking release this. You know? So, you know, in Yorkshire, in part of their contract, they're going to run it on BBC and everything, and then it was later going to be released on Discovery. But either way, the rights got bought to it. 
So it never aired over in England, it never aired in the US, and all of these copies were thought to be destroyed. Apparently one day, Bill Colby gets a copy in the mail. A rough cut off the cutting room floor. It um, wasn't completely finished, but the, you know, the whole thing was there. You know, hour long, just very rough, and there's a few parts where frames are missing and everything. And um, he gets the copy and he sends it to John DeCamp, the guy who's been asked to, you know, lead the whole investigation for the Franklin scandal. And has also been in workings with Noreen Gosh, trying to link him back to Johnny Gosh and everything. Sure. And uh, he's blown the shit out of this tape. He's recorded, he, he probably made like 50 copies of it, sold them to people, and then put it on YouTube and everything. So you can go on YouTube and you can watch this, this documentary the way that it was sent to him. You know what I mean? So like you can oh, still... Really? Oh, yeah. It's out there, man. It's on YouTube. Uh, but it's still technically unreleased. You sure. know what I mean? Never right. released on Discovery or BBC right. or anything like that. So, you know, this this pretty much implements Paul Bonacci as being in all of these crazy fucking locations. You know, these the, Paul Bonacci is really the key to all of this. He's claiming that he helped him, uh, kidnap Johnny, that he helped, you know, work with Johnny in, you know, having sex with all these politicians and all these high-ranking officials throughout America, that they helped kidnap more boys and probably helped kill boys. Um, you know, that they went all the way up into Washington, D.C., and you know, had sex with politicians and everything, like practically at the White House or at the fucking Capitol or whatever. You know what I mean? So, Paul Bonacci is either completely batshit insane and he thinks this is true, or he's lying, or it's completely fucking true. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, 15 people on both sides of this investigation, both people being investigated and people doing the investigating, 15 people have all died under what a lot of people would deem mysterious circumstances. You know, this guy, uh, Caridori, something, Danny Caridori or something like that. He was, like, the lead investigator on the, like, like the legal side. Like, launching a whole investigation and having, like, you know, Senate hearings and everything. Trying to figure out if there's any wrongdoing that Franklin Credit Union did and everything. And he's the one who interviewed those four people that all gave the same kind of statements. He ended up dying in a weird plane crash with his 10-year-old son on their way back from Chicago. Um... Uh, apparently, okay, died in this plane crash. Apparently, uh, the wreck was spread out over like one third of a mile. People thought that they saw like an explosion up in the sky, and people have reported that there are pieces uh, missing from his plane crash, his briefcase, and all these things. A guy named Rusty Nelson, who apparently used to take pictures at these parties and like you know, kind of like film film snuff stuff, you know, and like kids having sex and everything. He says that he gave photos to Caridori when he was in Chicago and that plane crashes and that the local chief showed up to the plane crash and was finding child porn strewn about this whole fucking cornfield and that FBI showed up, told him to shut the hell up, scrounged up all the photos and that, you know, that so, was that. So what, um, there was a point in the documentary, okay. I remember that Larry King went to prison, correct? Mm-hmm. How did that... Yep. How did that come about? Okay, so FBI had been investigating him for all that embezzling because they found that he had a whole set of secret books. Mm-hmm. And um, then afterwards, at the same time, they were investigating him for the whole sex ring thing. And apparently, uh, the sex ring claims had never come to fruition, but he was convicted of about 15 years for embezzling nearly $40 million. And uh, from prison... Bonacci had actually sued King in a civil suit 
claiming that he caused him all these damages and everything, right? Mm -hmm. Apparently, he never responded from prison. He never showed up at the courthouse. So, the court awarded Bonacci a million dollars in punitive damages from this guy who he's accusing is completely involved in this whole sex ring. And the guy never said, comes forth and says a word to defend himself. So this guy, who could be a fucking multi-personality, you know, complete batshit lunatic liar, just won a million dollars from this. Yeah. Or he's telling the truth. Right. You know what I mean? But he was never paid that money. That's right. He was never paid for that. But he and was I'm a, not sure. He was awarded right. the yep. money. Which yep. is fucking bizarre. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's kind of, dude, it's like OJ, man. You know, the, in the criminal trial, he's found innocent. In the civil trial, he's found guilty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's, it's still a yes, but it's not satisfying. Right. You know what I mean? So, okay, yeah. let's, let's wrap the story with, okay. um. God, with, like, man, I could still talk about this for hours, man. Say, that's like, the worst part, you know? There's, there's the, the creepiest <clears throat> part of it. Right. What Noreen Gosh said. Right. In 97. Right. Okay, so years after all this stuff, 1997 rolls around, and uh, no, actually, well, I guess we can go forward a little bit further. We could probably go to 99 or 2000. She ends up going on the stand again, and she's under oath, and she's saying that she knows all this information about Johnny from an informant, and they're going, wow, that's crazy information. Where the fuck, who's your informant? You know, you could be held for perjury and everything for not telling us this. She goes, well... I kind of saw Johnny back in 1997 when he came at 2 o'clock in the morning knocking on my door with one of his little friends and told me that he's in grave danger and that I can't go to the police and that all this other crazy shit or else he could be killed because he's in so deep. You know, pretty crazy pretty right. crazy thing to hear, right? Right. And that's another contributing factor in people thinking that Noreen Gosh is just one sad, broken lunatic of a woman. You know what I mean? That's one of the hardest parts to believe is that Johnny could have would have risked everything to show up in '97 to tell her this and then take off and be like, "You can't tell anyone." It, you know, what if it was just a fucking crazy dream? What if she is has had fucking yeah. a break from reality? I was gonna say because the kid definitely disappeared. Yeah, his kid I mean, disappeared. She, she like had to grieve and like go through all this right. bullshit. Mm -hmm. So it's it's fucking strange. Like what? Yep. I like I I, I can't imagine that mental stress. Yep. Of, of fighting that all you know all these years, she ended up losing her marriage with her husband, the, yep. the actual biological father. Yep. Of she, the kid. You know what's crazy too? She has also she has like two conspiracy theories like running in her head at the same time. She has said that on one hand, you know Paul Bonacci was involved in kidnapping him, and that he's a part of this ring. But then she's also said that her husband was involved because. That was the one day he was wasn't there to help out Johnny with his paper route, and that apparently he had gone to visit John DeCamp for the first time with some other lady, and that when Noreen first met him, John went, "Hey, Noreen, it's nice to see you again." And she was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? I've, we've never met before." He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we did. You remember when you came down here with your husband?" And then he like even called in an assistant. And was like, "You remember when we saw Noreen Gosh and whatever?" And he was like, "Yeah." The dad was here, but that—that that was a different lady he was with. <laughs> and apparently, he had been traveling around the country. Apparently, this is the story. He had been traveling around the country, going to like you know, missing and exploited children, you know, fucking banquets or you know, different cer you know ceremonies or mm -hmm. things like that with this lady that he was claiming was Noreen, who very obviously wasn't. Right. But I've never heard any other accounts of that. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, the, Noreen is believing these two things at the same time. 
you know what I mean? She's believing that her husband, ex-husband right. could be involved. She's saying that. But, I don't know. Oh, man. So that's confusing as fuck. So, okay. Just gets deeper. So when, when she claims that she saw her um, her son in 97, yep. who was she with exactly? Uh, she, she, this was at 2 o'clock in the morning, and she'd been woken up. Yeah. And they, she says that Johnny was with some other guy, like like some other kid who didn't really say anything and okay. never introduced himself. And then she said that, you know, he explained some of the stuff he was in and everything and said that you can't tell anyone. And then they left, and, you know, she said that they walked probably, like, two blocks away and then that she heard a car start up and then take off. So she thinks that they walked from, like, a few blocks away or something. Yeah. Dude, what if, you know, what if it did happen? Yeah. And what if it was uh, just someone playing some yep. mean-ass fucking joke yep. on a grieving mom, you know? Yep. Because also, one of the weird things about it, now that I remember... Someone sent her pictures of boys being yeah. tied up. That that also gets into a weird spot because it sounds like even today she still thinks that some of those pictures are of Johnny. And these pictures that she received, uh, some of them had been apparently confirmed by someone down in Florida as being these three kids who were like just playing this like escape game. They're just trying to tie themselves up and seeing how fast they can right. escape and everything. And uh, that they told, like, this chief of police down in Florida that, and that he sent, he relayed that information up to West Des Moines and told them, yeah, it's not child porn or anything. It's just these kids that were having fun and no one was in any real danger. And then I've also heard that even though he said that, he was never actually convinced of that. He said that he had, apparently he had a bad feeling about it. Oh, even after he had been told that. They had been, like, what, 30 years? Right. In that case or whatever. Right. So... What the fuck? Who knows? You know, and, like, you look at these pictures, and, like, they look like there are parts of them that could be like Johnny, but at the same time, they're, like, they kind of don't look like Johnny at all. You know what yeah, I mean? And I mean, that's kind of the weird thing about kids is that, like, it, kids don't have very descript features, so right. you can kind of... And the kid himself you know. was, like, a very typical, like, a white American kid. Mm-hmm. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah. He was very young when he was taken, so, like, who's to know? And he had, like, mm-hmm. uh, he was gagged tied yep. behind his, his thing and then he supposedly had the marking on right. his arm right that was yep. in the picture yep. so who the fuck knows man it's a weird yep. creepy case that's the thing about it and you know um, if we want to get back into the things that we can confirm the, the things that we know about this case we know Johnny Gosh is missing and that he was most likely kidnapped because there are apparently these witnesses who say that they saw him get into a car yeah um we know that Lawrence King has at least been uh, convicted with embezzling $40 million. And we know that Craig Spence was involved in that callboy scandal where Paul Bonacci was allegedly identified as being present. And that th- Craig Spence, amidst this entire fucking drug and sex scandal, ended up committing a suicide at like, it was either like the Waldorf, like the Ritz Astoria or something. And they found, like, a bunch of Coke and Vicodin and, like, Xanax or something in his hotel room. And he wrote a message, like, on his mirror saying, like, you know, fucked up, did a lot of bad things. This isn't nearly as bad as the other stuff I've done. And yet, and people will never know about it, and yet the world will still continue. Hmm. You know, like, he left a note pretty much saying that. And uh, it's also been reported that he had, like, advanced AIDS and everything. But, you know, I don't know any kind of confirmation about that. But, yeah. You know, and Craig Spence was one of the guys who was taking kids into the White House. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's confirmed. Like, that's confirmed. Yeah. Wow. And wow. the Washington Times confirmed all that. 
there's this guy named uh, Paul Rodriguez, I think. He used to write for the Washington Times, later wrote for Insight Magazine. Pretty pretty prolific uh, uh, journalist for the most part, at least over in like the Washington scene. He was on the case originally, and Washington Times were some of the only papers that were reporting on this. He was getting buried by so many other newspapers. And um, apparently at one point he tried to access court files that once were unsealed, and then once he tried to go for them, they were sealed up. And they were, these were court files in regards to all these accusations and all this crazy shit that was happening. So, you know, like I said, those are the facts. We know that Lawrence King was in, you know, convicted of that $40 million. We know that Craig Spence was involved in the Callboy scandal. And yet, in all of this, Paul Bonacci is implemented in all of it, but it's like, it's so, it's so shady that we don't really know and like, like, who in the hell can we even talk to that can confirm Bonacci's stories? Right. You know what I mean? Like, what I want to know, I want to know if the cops ever investigated those names carved in that wall down in that basement. And I want to know uh, what the circumstances were behind Bonacci accusing King of, you know, all the wrongdoings that King had to pay out a million dollars to him. Right. And I want to know... Uh, who was the person who identified Paul Bonacci as being present in the White House? You know, because, like, if you can confirm all that, and if you can link all that, Paul Bonacci really is, like, the fucking key to the case. You know? But then when you go back to the skeptical side, it's like, dude, if this dude is is fucking nuts as we all think he is, why would any kind of super sophisticated, elaborate child sex ring keep this dude alive? Why would they kill other people and just keep this fucking lunatic alive who is so insecure? You know what I mean? It's, uh, and it's crazy, too, because he's a, he, he himself is a convicted yeah. sex, uh, he's a sex child, child molester. Yeah, and he apparently now is married and has kids and is trying to live a normal life now. Right. You know? What the fuck? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's <clears throat> impossible. Yeah, to, it's not impossible. Because, I mean, the Catholic Church oh, yeah. has That's done nuts, it dude. for years and I, years and years. Dude, I with, saw the ballsiest episode of Frontline I've ever seen. When they ripped open the Vatican, that was nuts. It's probably the ballsiest episode. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Dude, they show like footage um, inside like Italian like nightclubs and everything of all of these seminaries just making out and everything. And like obviously, obviously we're all cool with gay people, right? We're obviously we're not homophobic, but it's like when you have like a culture and a religion that is so fucking obsessed with trying to conceal that. And teach people that all that is wrong, yeah. and that the people are openly acknowledging that it's wrong, but they're still completely engrossed in it and everything, and that people are that insecure with themselves, but they still want to continue to breed this whole lifestyle of, like, assaulting kids and everything, and, right. like, completely lying behind some fucked up veil. It makes you sick. You know what I mean? Like, this new pope and everything, everyone's fucking sucking his dick thinking he's the greatest thing that's happened since sliced bread and everything, right? Yeah. What if they just took him in because they wanted to detract all of this attention from the scandal with Benedict and everything? What if he's just there as a fucking patsy to make people think that, hey, the, the you know, Christian church, oh yeah, my God. maybe the Vatican's really changed their act around. Yeah, you meanwhile, know? he said little to none about yeah. the, exactly. the child sex things. Or right, and Benedict is the first pope in what, well, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to have stepped down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Popes don't do that. You die as the pope. Yeah. You know? Man, fuck the idea of a pope to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck? Mm-hmm. But anyways, how about let's let's take a music break. Oh, God, I'll try. All right. <laughs> uh, Freaking out. The, what, um, I mean, going along the line of, like, this theme of 
because that's creepy as fuck. Like yeah. the story you told us. I hate what, it. Um, what song creeps you out? Well, there are some songs out there that are pretty spooky, but sometimes I feel like when it comes to songs that really give me the heebie-jeebies, sometimes uh, TV show theme songs are some of the best ones to do that. And I feel like three TV songs are Twilight Zone, X-Files, and Dark Shadows. Yeah. Those three songs just give you the fucking heebie-jeebies, yeah. especially Dark Shadows. Yeah. The X-Files one gets so fucking corny when you listen it to does. the full when one. You, it's so cheesy. If you, if you go on YouTube and look up yeah. any conspiracy theory video, that's the song that's playing in front of every single one. Uh, the Twilight Zone, too. Awesome. It's like four yeah. seconds long. But um, but yeah, so your your choice is the Dark Shadows. Thing. Sure is. I got to go with that. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's listen to that. Cool. actually scares you like what are your fears the real fears one of my realest ones is derealization and depersonalization oh yeah dude now, yeah. That's, yeah. now you have this story too i fucking yeah, forgot about much. this this is uh this is a more recent one um i would say i had my first major episode with it that i was able to <clears throat> later understand this past december and you know, I when it comes to fearing things, you can fear things that are, like, totally real, like serial killers and, you know, tsunamis and all this stuff. Stuff that, you know, you'll never have any control over, right? Yeah. Then you can have all your supernatural shit that you can be afraid of. Mm-hmm. You know, the impossible things or the things that we have no concrete proof of. Right. Like ghosts. Then, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Then there are the things that come from your own head and trying to determine which of them are real, which of them aren't, and if there's anything wrong with you or not. Yeah. And now for the people at home, derealization and depersonalization are two interesting experiences that one can have pretty much at any moment. And it's spontaneous, correct? Right. Well, for the most part, yeah. Okay. They say that uh, it's pretty much defined as an alteration in the way you perceive your surroundings. So it's like right now, the three of us sitting in this room and all the people sitting at home hanging out, we're pretty much all in the same wavelength. You know what I mean? Like, we can all communicate in a way that is very fluid, and we don't have any, like, weird breaks or, like, we have no idea what the other is saying. You know what I mean? Like, we can all understand each other. Yeah, we can all understand each other pretty damn well. So, this derealization, like I said, it's an alteration in the way you perceive your surroundings. So, everything around you is still the same, but for some reason, the gears in your head are just completely spinning in reverse Mm -hmm. and you're like what the fuck i don't know how to make sense of what i'm seeing but it's not defined as being like a psychological break from reality because you can still completely conceive what's around you Mm -hmm. you can conceive everything and you can look at everything and be like okay i'm still on planet earth you know like i'm still i'm still with these people i know in this room you know what i mean i'm still me and everything but you start to feel like there's no spontaneity in the entire fucking world, in the fabric of the universe, you feel like everything is completely like planned out and predetermined, and that you are just thinking in the most simplistic way. You know, that happened to the producer Kevin. There you go, man. <laughs> one time, one time we got fucking... really fucking stoned together. Yeah, and uh, like, yeah, I remember he he was thinking that 
Uh, do you think you're he, in the Sims video game? Do you like, think that aliens are pretty much using us as marionettes? And well, like at the moment, fake? at the moment, he didn't think that he had free will. Yeah. Um. And well, we'll just have producer Kevin cool. fucking describe it. Explain yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I the best way I described it is like, so you take a Kleenex and uh, you toss it into the air like like this. Uh, you know, nobody can see this at home, but right. Uh, and then you, you know, you blow it, you blow up, so it stays in the air. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt I was getting flung into the next moment, like okay. by like uh, before I was able to like consider the next moment and, and rationally act. Mm-hmm. I was being projected into it, and uh, interesting. Okay, uh, it, 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 it's I don't know. It was like I was getting constantly slingshotted okay. know, moment to moment. That's the scary thing about it. It's that you don't understand what's happening, but you can perfectly conceive it. And that's why you think that, that something like that could be happening. You know what I mean? I I was at a friend's Christmas party, and I became slightly inebriated. And then the vibe in the room shifted because we were in a separate room from the rest of the party. The door was closed. And then all of a sudden, everyone's talking, and then everything just turns silent. And then everyone just kind of, you know, kind of goes off and does their own thing again, right? But those huge shifts in the vibe those are the things that set me off and that's the thing that sends me into this completely fucked up spiral of being like okay you guys there's something crazy going on in the room right now i just felt that vibe change and now i can't shake it it's happened more than once yeah it's happened a few times it happened yeah i know it happened to me back in high school probably once or twice hanging out with kirby because Kirby can do that to you. And then there's that time at the Christmas party, and then there's another one that happened to me actually like a, about a month ago. Really? Yep. So, yep. oh, shit. You didn't tell me about this one. Okay. That one was a, a trip too, man. And I don't know how deep I really can go into it because, I mean, I, again, this is shit you can talk about for hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, tell me about the Christmas one. Cause okay. I remember you, right. like, you, you brought it up one time. Okay. When I, <laughs> yeah. I ran into Alex at uh, Side Street. I hadn't seen you in like a couple months. Mm-hmm. And you just come barreling out of the bathroom, and you're like, "Dude, I didn't know who I was." And I was like, "What?" Um, and then you just went into it. So, it's nuts, man. I okay. So I come out of the room, right? And this by this time, like everyone is still kind of trying to ride out the party. You know what I mean? Like everyone's kind of fine, and I'm just looking at everyone, like, "What the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, are you you guys are so fake? You know what I mean? Like, you want to say it, but you can't say it like that because." You know what I mean? Like the word, oh, you're fake. You know what I mean? Like the, an expression like that is like it's so thrown around and everything. I don't mean they're fake as in like they're in- disingenuous. I mean they're fake as in like, you guys, we have no free will. Like we are puppets or we are like a simulation and like w- like the game Sims, we're the fucking Sims right now. Like I can feel it. I can feel it like coming out of the back of my head. You know what I mean? Like oh my God. I can feel that I don't have control and none none of you do. And so I'm sitting there at this table in the kitchen and everything, looking out over everyone, and I'm feeling like I'm on a fucking soundstage of a fucking sitcom. And I'm like, is this a fucking game show? Like, did I just figure out the secrets of the universe? Like, did I just get, like, one level smarter and realize that, like, we're just, we're, we're just fucking pets or toys or something? Yeah. And that none of what we do matters? You know? And, like, that was, like, the first time I was, like, actually ready to, like, fucking analyze this. You know what I mean? And, like, people at first are trying to kind of, like, calm me down and everything. And I'm like, no, no, there's no going back, man. I fucking realize, like, the secrets to the fucking universe. Like, this is it. 
You know, like I was convinced, like there's no turning back, you know, and it's what's interesting about derealization and depersonalization. The derealization is feeling like there's no spontaneity in the world and you feel like there's no, you kind of feel like there's no rhyme or reason to what happens. But then the depersonalization is a separate feeling. And, but it's something that happens usually in unison with derealization. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're often grouped together. That it, people used to call it DRDP or DPDR. That's like the, the, you know, the condensed version that you would see of it. And the depersonalization is when, like, after the initial shock of where your role in the universe is starts to wear off, it's like an impending dread. And you're just like, wow, I'm so fucking small. We, like, the Earth is just such a small grain of dust. Nothing we will ever do will ever matter. You know what I mean? And so, like, that's that's the two of them in unison, man. That's the, They work in tandem. Derealization, depersonalization. Yeah. And it is so fucking powerful, man. By the time you wear off from this trip, you'll be so tired, and, like, you can feel it for, like, two days. You can just feel a funk. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> so fucked up, because the it's things wild. that I'm scared of are, like, fucking snakes. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. like just stupid Don't get me shit. wrong. I'm afraid of that, too, you know? Yeah. Going or, like, to the Amazon. drowning, you know? Yeah. Like, but you're, like... I don't know who I am, and <laughs> yeah. this is all fake. Yeah. It's crazy, man. What's even scarier about it is that, like, people who experience it on a chronic basis, that's a real strong indicator that you have schizophrenia or, like, bipolar disorder. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what they say. But you can also, dude, you can be triggered so easily just once. You know what I mean? Like, you can smoke one hit or pot. You know what I mean? Or you yeah. can start to get alcohol withdrawals and, like, maybe try to take methadone, and that'll trigger it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, I honestly, they say that it's rare. But I think so many more people have experienced it than what we think. And so many people are afraid to talk about it because you don't even know how to fucking describe it. Sure. I, dude, I, I sat there, w- w- sitting there fucking slack-jawed on Google trying to type in, um, what is it when you feel trippy, you know, or like, <laughs> I feel trippy at parties, what is that? You know, like, I didn't fucking know what to say, you know, like... There's no way you can encapsulate it in words. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then finally this word came in called derealization, and I saw the whole Wikipedia page on it, and it said that it's an alteration in the way you perceive your surroundings that is mostly personified by feeling like there's no spontaneity, feeling like like things are on a string or like things are completely preplanned, you know? And another thing that freaks me out even more, now, maybe this is the conspiracy hive mind thing of me speaking, right? You could either go with that assumption that it's just something wrong in your head, that it's a chemical imbalance happening, right? And that there's nothing else to it. Yeah. But here's a more interesting approach that I'm not going to say, you know, because I'm a skeptic on everything. I'm not going to say this is it. But I'm going to say that I, I, this is a very interesting idea that I will entertain. And it's that what if it's just tuning into a new level of just being able to fucking realize your world? Sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, so people can occasionally get on that level, you know? And, like, when the, the vibe in the room shifts and people can just kind of, like, look at each other, like, if you're on acid or mushrooms or something, you yeah. just kind of look at each other and you just know. You know what I mean? Like, you're on that same fucking wavelength. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes people say that, like, drugs hit people at different times or in different ways. And then sometimes, like, you can be doing mushrooms and then you're sitting there watching TV and then you just look over at your buddy. And your buddy looks know. over at you, yeah. and you just know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm saying, like, what if that's what this is? You know, right. like, you're just tuning into just, all it is is tuning into a new level. A new frequency. A, yeah. Just a new frequency. It's that's, like being, it's like listening to the radio, right? Yeah. You can flip through all these channels of just static and static and right. static. All of a sudden, you start hearing something, but it's very dirty. And then you go one 
level higher, and then it's perfect. Right now, we're perfect. Right. You know what I mean? Or at least that's the one that right. we all have the best good. understanding yeah. of. You know what I mean? See, that's, and that's, what if this is just one level off? That's how I feel about most psychedelic drugs. Sure. I, I, I do think, well, I don't know. I mean, it's so it's so fucking tough to, to mm-hmm. say. I mean, there's, sure there's like uh, like the life changing ones, you know, like yeah. DMT, yeah. which I have limited act personal <clears throat> knowledge in. Um, but there's like marijuana too, because mm-hmm. when you when you take when you smoke when you get really stoned on marijuana, or if you have an edible that like changes mm-hmm. your life, um, it's always delayed by three hours too. <laughs> yeah, you do it, and you're like, oh, this ain't doing shit, and then you're just like, Whoa. yeah. But yeah. the the way you perceive the world. It almost feels like it's it's the way that you perceive um, a dream, you know. Sure. Like it's it's like our brains just shifting to different frequencies that we can't see <clears throat> when we're sober. Yeah. Uh, and I know that sounds like hippie bullshit, but like when you're we're not hippies though, so it's not hippie bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you, man. I think about that too. I catch myself, and I'm like, am I just am I just into some hippie dippy bullshit? And then I'm like, you know, I don't need all the organic stuff and more Birkenstocks, so <laughs> I don't have to be a hippie. <laughs> You know, but, um, but we can think about these things. It's yeah, okay. Like, uh, it's okay. You know, you know what my, like, I, I, I know you can achieve those, those modes of thinking mm-hmm. in other ways that don't involve psychedelics or whatever. Sure. And I like, and I'm convinced of this. It happens to me when I am in writing mode or whatever. Okay. If I'm like trying to write a story or like a screenplay, there's a <coughs> lot of the time that I feel like I, I, it has to be like in deep con- concentration mm-hmm. that I tune into something else, okay. or like I'm, I'm accepting this other influence into my brain, okay. and that's when I go off on this like I just start writing. I'm in the groove and right. I'm just writing, 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 and all these images are are coming to me and stuff. Yep. And there's uh, there's been times like after I write a screenplay or something, I'll you know I'll hit save. Mm-hmm. Go to bed, wake up the next morning, and reread what I wrote. Yeah. I'm like, I do not remember writing. That's that the shit. fucking best part about it, man. You could be sitting there for weeks, racking your brain over one thing, and the moment you write it, you you, you just get all that weight taken off of you, exactly. so you don't even fucking think about it exactly. anymore. Exactly. Yeah. I do the same thing, man. I'll go back to like papers I wrote in fucking high school and college and shit, and I won't remember a single bit of it. Yeah, you're like, what, what the fuck? Like, yep. I, it's weird because you're like, I fucking wrote that. Yep. Like, how the fuck did I conjure up that? Yep. It's, it's, Maybe that's the creative mind at work, yeah. getting shit out so you don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. You know it, what I mean? It might be. I mean, I think. Yeah. You know, there has Seriously. to be something to that. Mm-hmm. I guess you, that shit scares me too. Yeah. You know, I guess like the idea of like being not not being in control. Right, dude. Um, the whole derealization thing. Like once I like found out what it was, and once I just started digging, just fucking so deep into it and trying to just conceive what it means as a person and trying to revisit those feelings that I first felt when I had it, I almost convinced myself of one of two possibilities. And again, I'm not a religious person, right? I was almost, maybe I still am convinced of this. Maybe there are only two possibilities. And this is very generalized. Two possibilities to our entire existence. One, we are a completely freak anomaly that we will, of evolution that we will never be able to explain. Like we will never be able to wrap our heads around why we got smart enough to grow our bodies this way and make all of this stuff just to make our life that much more comfortable while there's still animals living out there on with fucking sticks and mud and fucking eating animals raw, right? You know, like, everything that we do, everything we have here that's processed, it's all to make our life that much more comfortable. 
right? Sure. Everything. Yeah. This is all to make our life that much more comfortable. And we're either a complete freak anomaly of that, and the way that we evolved into is just absolutely amazing, or everything that we can conceive, all the crazy shit we see in Star Wars, science fiction, fucking crazy alien worlds, and all these weird technologies that we don't even have, it's all just shit that's happened somewhere else in the fucking universe. And it's just residual fucking information that's just gotten relayed to us over thousands and thousands of years. Because isn't it, isn't it fascinating that we can have an imagination that there's something in our head that is so abstract that it can think of these things that we have never seen? We've never seen the aliens in Star Wars, right? We've never seen an alien come down here and talk to us, right? Right. We've never seen, like, a fucking laser beam that can fucking do all this crazy <laughs> shit. We've never seen a man fly. Yeah. You know, we've never seen any of that. But, yeah, we can conceive it perfectly. Why? It's, we're either a freak anomaly of evolution, and we just somehow got to a point where we could imagine something this vivid, or this is shit that it's not new at all. It could be billions or trillions and trillions of years old, and... You know, it's just kind of like a resetting a cycle where we're just getting this res- res- residual bits that are encouraging us to keep on striving for more yeah. technology and to try to get off of Earth and reach new worlds and everything. You mm. know what I mean? And I know this is very broad and everything, but right. I feel like that's it. Those are the two possibilities. Yeah. Freak anomaly of evolution that we'll never be able to explain or... It, it's all just one generation creating another generation. Only those generations happen to be like trillions of years long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fuck. I don't know, man. Maybe that sounds stupid to you guys. No, I mean... I, I, think I, about it, man. Like, I why else more, I think can we think of this? I don't think so abstract. I don't think it's one and two. I think there's okay. a lot of in-between. Yeah, there is. But I do agree that it's either we're a freak anomaly and yeah. we'll never be able to explain it. Yeah. Or it's something else. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a variety of uh, possibilities. There has to be. Maybe maybe all the variety of possibilities fits over there. You know what I mean? Sure. I, mean, I guess that goes into creationism and everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the creationist side, I think. Well, dude, versus we, the the universe, it, it all exists inside of like a teardrop inside mm-hmm. uh, Tom Sizemore's yeah. yeah, like eye. Absolutely. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, man. Think about how crazy that is. That that uh, you know, and I, I hate to relegate the whole conversation to Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's like Guardians of the Galaxy is Marvel meets Star Wars, right? And so all the shit that you see in Guardians of the Galaxy is taking place in modern times, but it's just fucking light years away and everything. And there are still humans that live on like the Nova oh, Corps and you, you have all these other aliens and everything sure. that have very humanistic qualities, right. but they're just I, light years away. I but often, it's happening today. I often, it's happening in modern times. I often think about that. Okay. Like what, what's happening right now, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere else. Yep. Uh, That's relevant because sure. Along. Yeah. Along. Yeah. Right. Right. Star Wars. Uh, yep. What, what the fuck is it? Um, uh, once upon, It's not Once Upon a Time, but it's like... Um, I don't know. Which one? Star Wars. Just the, the oh, open yeah. crawl. With, yeah, okay. Long, yeah, long, long ago yeah. in the yeah. galaxy far, far away. Yep. Interesting. You well, guys ever see the, uh, the link between Indiana Jones and Star Wars? There's parts in Indiana Jones where you can see hieroglyphics that have R2-D2 and C-3PO in them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's Big hilarious. Time. Big time. Dude, someone made a, a T-shirt, like a, some fan art of a T-shirt, and it's uh, Indiana Jones going through a temple, clearing away cobwebs, and he sees Han Solo frozen in carbonite oh. sitting there. <laughs> How fucking trippy would that be? <laughs> I feel like that, that'd be like a, a franchise ruiner. Yeah. Or well, think about this. Okay, what if it was Indiana Jones, and then the aliens that they found were what led to... 
humans getting out into space to introduce into Star Wars. Oh, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. aliens that he meets in Crystal Skull, even though it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's right. Yeah. He is. Yep. His Dude, you know Munch, Edward Munch or John Munch or whatever, uh, Richard Belzer's character in Law and Order? Dude, he's yeah. in like several other shows as the same character. Right, right, right. He's in X-Files. Yeah. X-Files and Law and Order is in the same fucking universe. Yeah, dude. yeah. And, um, it's fucking trippy. And uh, that happened with... He was in like two other shows too. It's the same character. Yeah, I read a Cracked article about yeah. that. There was also something about... Um... Thank God for Cracked, by the way. <laughs> Isn't it wild that Cracked, uh, they were the ripoff magazine of Mad Magazine. Mad, yeah. And now they have found more success as a website than Mad... Everything. Could have ever dreamed of, yeah. and Mad is Mad is dying on such a horrible level now. They're they're bi monthly now. You can come up with like six issues a year, and yeah. still just juvenile toilet humor. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's funny. And but but I think that Cracked is still trying to compensate for it because they're still like their legacy as a, as a funny magazine will always be in the shadow of Mad. Right. But yet, dude, people don't even know Mad Magazine anymore, but they know Cracked. For the website, that's a that's crazy. Movie. That's true. Anyway, okay, let's anyway. take a musical break. All right, sounds good. Um, I'm gonna pick my creepy song. Cool. Um, so I'm gonna pick. Have you listened to David Lynch's music <laughs> a little bit? Like he, he, he I mean, <laughs> it, it's a fucking, it's an emotional fucking undertaking to try to just do anything for David Lynch. You know what I mean? Like you have to get ready for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have to train for like two weeks. Well, he um, he he does. Electronic music, yeah. Like you know, I, I think he's he's released two or three albums. He he did this uh, collaboration album with one of like my favorite artists. His name was uh, Mark Linkwist, and he was part of Sparkle Horse. Okay. Uh, he ended up killing himself in like 2006 or something like that. Okay. Um, but before he killed himself, I think it was the first. Thing, it was the last thing he did. He worked on this song with David Lynch, and um, it's the same name as the album. It's called Dark Night of the Soul. Okay. And it's every fucking thing that you would think of for like <laughs> David Lynch. This creepy ass, creaky sound. Of course. Um and his voice like being processed through like some fucking weird tremolo mm. effect or whatever. So yeah. let's listen to that and then we're gonna cool. wrap it up after. Alright. Sounds good. I'm not here. 
fuck happened to the kid as a kid i don't know what happened to him i mean a lot of his movies are like weirdly dreamlike mm-hmm. uh, i think like a lot of his stuff is probably what he dreams about you know fucking weird up. sex shit and dude dennis <laughs> hopper scares the ever-living shit out of me <laughs> in blue velvet <laughs> and then also like dude if you want to talk about fucking scary illuminati shit the little weird looking guy in uh Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Like who orders No, dude. I'm talking about like the creep well, that dude's creepy, but I'm talking like the little tiny guy yeah. who like was wearing like the big suit, like sitting in the wheelchair. <laughs> that dude gives me the fucking creeps. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it, dude. Like that's what Illuminati is- shit. That yeah. little weird guy sitting in that room, creepy little bastard. What um fucking, have you like ever experienced anything supernatural? You know, I want to think that I have, but I often don't know, man, because I'm so skeptical on it Like that I think that like even if something did happen, there was a really weird thing that happened to me when I was a kid. I 
uh, my dad worked at like a meatpacking plant and all this stuff, and he worked a lot of hours during the day and everything. And oh yeah, you showed me I that was... creepy ass fucking vi- video, the VHS. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was way that was way back before then though. This that was my mom's first husband who pretty much recorded that. He he took a Looney Tunes VHS tape, and he decided to record over it uh, the makings of a meatpacking plant, pretty much killing and skinning cows. And it's still on this Looney Tunes VHS tape. <laughs> anyway, I remember those. Anyway, that'd be yeah, that'd be something good to find out of Savers, right? You know. Anyway, <laughs> oh my God, Looney Jesus Tunes, Christ! Fucking put that. God, in. fucking cow snuff film. Anyway, so uh, my mom like takes me in on like a Saturday afternoon to drop me off at my dad's house because my dad was getting some overtime, and you know he was just going to come home like a few hours later, whatever. And so, like, you know, my mom picks me up from KFC and all this stuff, drops me off at my dad's place. And honestly, this was the first time I had ever, like, been alone going to my dad's house. And I remember, like, being pretty pretty fine right away. You know, like, it started off just fine. And then throughout the rest of the afternoon, I remember thinking that I was, like, hearing things and, like, seeing things out of the corner of my eye and, like, just hearing, like, footsteps and everything and like I remember he had a couple tiles in his kitchen that were kind of busted up so like you could hear the tiles just kind of like clack together when you stepped over them and stuff and I remember hearing that kind of shit and I was like in third or fourth grade so I mean I was still pretty young and everything but um I I, you know I was just kind of was increasingly getting the heebie-jeebies right and I'm sitting there watching like I don't know like Price is Right or something eating my chicken my chicken box and everything it was it, KFC used to make like kids meals with like popcorn chicken and like a fruit roll up in it and everything. Really? Yeah, I don't yeah they were that. awesome. They're so cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm eating one of those and everything. And then at one point, I just the face to me still as clear as day, man. The guy looked like he was like Chilean or like Native American. Had bl- uh, gold glasses with like a little gold bar roll bar on top. Had like very nice kind of primmed black hair and was wearing a black T-shirt with white writing on it. And I see this motherfucker peek around from the doorway to my dad's bedroom looking right at me from like four or five feet away and i freaked out so fucking hard i rolled off the side of the bed and fucking grabbed the phone and like called the cops and called my mom and called my dad at work and was like there's someone in the fucking house and like you couldn't even understand what i was saying because i was crying and screaming so much you know and like even dude that's what freaks me out because like I, i don't think it's supernatural but i often ask myself if it really happened because then, once everyone got there, they apparently saw that the doors were still locked, and that nothing was stolen. But, you know, I remember my friend Brady next door, he said that he saw, like, footprints out the, you know, in the back and everything, that they didn't really know who they belonged to, but this motherfucker was older than me, and he always tried to give me scare tactics and everything, sure. so I, didn't, I never knew he was, he was fucking with me or not. But either way, man. What, what time um, of year was this? Um, it was in the gosh. winter? I how, feel how like I feel like it would have been fall, but it was still rainy out. I remember it was really rainy out that okay. day, and it was probably probably fall. It, was, it had to have been fall or spring. Where I was feel this? Like it was fall. This is at my dad's place in it's, Sioux Falls. In, okay, in South Sioux Dakota. Falls. Yep. And you know he it's lived in somewhat of a shitty neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like he lived in kind of a shitty neighborhood. So I mean, it's not so far out of the realm of possibility. But you know, like my imagination has played tricks on me before, but it has never done that i've never just built up a complete face because i still see the face today you know what i mean like i mean well i mean i I don't mean it like i see it in my dreams you know but i can (laughs) i I can picture it perfectly dude the guy was wearing a black shirt with white writing on it and everything dude and this dude was no i don't 
But this dude was Chilean as fuck, dude. You know what I mean? Like, middle-aged Chilean dude with very glossy, like, shiny skin. Yeah. Very red skin, you know, and, like, very long nose and everything. And kind of, like, short, like, kind of black cropped hair. You know what I mean? Just, like, a regular black haircut, you yeah. know? And, and he's wearing gold, gold wire rim glasses that had, like, the roll bar on top. But they yeah. were just regular glasses, reading oh. glasses. Oh, oh. Yeah. But, dude... I fucking saw that, you know what I mean? And I, I can't think of seeing that face anywhere else I've ever when, when, seen it. When he looked at you, like, what, what kind of... Nothing. Look? He was just expressionless, you know? But I, I thought I remembered him putting, like, his hands around the doorway, too, and everything, and just peeking in, you know? And that was the only shot I ever saw of him. But, I, you know, earlier, I thought I was seeing, like, glimpses of things, like, in the living room, just, like, kind of walking by quickly. And I thought I was hearing footsteps and everything, and... Yeah. You know? And so, to this day, I can't... I can't credit it and I can't discredit it because like I you know I've never thought of anything like that before or after you know yeah but I I can't I, there's absolutely no proof that it happened that's fucking crazy yeah so that's something that's always stuck with me that's I also crazy. think I saw a dude who was recently or you know freshly murdered we used to go to this baby this daycare called the youth enrichment services which is like a fucking industrial daycare it was like this place the size of a factory. Is it and, in, in, in Sioux Falls as well? Yeah, yep. Okay. And it was like a school, you know. It was like a school in the summer and everything. Kids would go there and they would have like one lady who would watch after like 20 kids. And it was just daycare. It was literally industrial daycare, you know. And they used to take us on these walks and everything. And we're walking to the pool one day. Or maybe we're just walking around a park. I don't remember. But we're walking by a big group of kids. And there are these two dudes sitting on a bench. They looked... They look like they were probably native. They look like uh, kind of like blue collar workers. They were in like plaid shirts and they had like lunch boxes with them or something. Yeah. You know, and one of them is sitting there like smiling and waving at us. The other one's passed out. And this dude's got like a hammer sitting next to him. Right. And that was it. Never, didn't think anything of it. Right. And then we're walking on the same trail back maybe maybe half hour later or so. And a bunch of ambulances and cop cars are there. A dude's sitting in the back of the cop car. So I don't know if this dude was murdered or if he was passed out, just drunk, or if, like, this dude, like, just killed him with a hammer. What the fuck? Yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, the babysitters walked by, the kids walked by. No one said anything or really thought anything of it afterwards. I don't even think I ever told my parents about it. Oh, I might have told them, like, years after the fact and everything, but what can you do, you know? And what the fuck am I going to look up online, you know? Yeah, man killed with hammer on park bench. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm saying, like, worst case scenario, I was looking at a dude who was dead and the dude who just killed him, smiling and waving at us with a hammer so next to him. Fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it was nothing. Maybe they just sure. tied one on and got drunk and, you know, someone reported people passed out. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? So. Well, fuck, man. Uh, we've, come, we've come to the end of the show. Yep, I suppose. Um, here's what we're going to do. Cool. You're going you're gonna to name your last song and cool. I'll name mine and... You guys uh, at home listening to this, you're just we're we're gonna close out the show with the two songs. So cool. Uh, what's your final? We gotta pick? we gotta give context to it next time because I could just I could talk about this all night. Fuck too. yeah, dude! Let's do this again. All right. Yeah, we we need to. Charles Manson. It's all in the eyes of a dreamer. That's needs some music he came up with before he totally fucking snapped. Yeah. Do you know honestly? Um, Look at your game, girl. That's yeah, a fucking. That's a great song. That's a great song. So good that Guns N' Roses covered it. Oh, that's right. But yeah. God, dude, also that's Guns that's Roses. creepy, man. I like. I feel like that's kind of shitty that they covered it because it's I like think so. it sounds cool, but it's like, you know, like would you cover a song by Hitler? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same. What would a song even be? 
I don't even know. Mine Comp. No, Mine Sharona. Yeah, there you go. There's but, an idea. Uh, Dang. Yeah, no, honestly, look at your game, girl. That's that's a great song. Yeah, but your song, song is, uh, what's, it, what's it called again? All in the Eyes of a Dreamer. It's very manic sounding. Look at your game, girl. is just a good song in general. Yeah, it, the yeah. All in the Eyes of a Dreamer sounds so manic. And then when you layer that with the context of, you know, who Charles Manson is and, you know, what he's done and everything, and you know it gives you the creeps. His shit's on Spotify, so someone, yeah. he's probably getting paid for, like, all the listens. He could shit. be. Dude, that's weird, man. Like, royalties with criminals and everything. Because I know that John Wayne Gacy, he was making good money for a while, too, selling paintings oh, out of yeah, prison. Dude. And then, the wrong, like, the families of the victims heard about it. And they were uh, like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, like, you're, you're letting this dude make money off making art when he fucking murdered our kids? You know? There's, yeah, dude. It's like, fucked up, too. Yeah. Like, I, I, I saw one of his quizzes one time. Mm-hmm. An interviewer went in and gave him this sheet of paper. I was like, you know, fill it out, whatever. Mm-hmm. And his favorite hobby was, like, walking on the beach. And <laughs> he, uh, one of his favorite movies was, uh, shit, I want to say it was Silence of the Lambs. But mm. don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, which would be fucked up if it was. Yeah. Um, but he seemed like a pretty normal it, guy. It who, was his favorite movie. Yeah. That'd be creepy. It, it, yeah. yeah. yeah oh my God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but the motherfucker killed, like, 30 people. 30 boys. Yeah, buried them all under this house, too. Yeah. There's one, I saw this one thing. It's fucking grim as fuck. Yeah. But it was a, a double-ended dildo that was, like, covered in blood from yeah. John Wayne Gacy is, like, like he's the real deal horror story. Yeah. It, like, he, that, that's where the psycho clown always comes from. It's always yeah. fucking John Wayne. God damn. Yeah. Dude, well, fuck, guys. Oh, We're going to end. Can we have a serial killer episode? <laughs> yeah, I can. Do let's something? do it. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Ed Gein, and just so you all know at home, Ed Gein is often misidentified as a serial killer. He probably only killed one or two people. He's not a serial killer by definition. He's just a creeper and a grave robber and a necrophiliac. Just for the record, all right, good. Ed Gein is not a serial killer. That. I'm clearing up the room right here, okay? Um, <laughs> okay, so let's fucking... He's still a creep. I'm going to end. Okay. Or my, my, my last selection. I had two. I think, um, you know, help me choose on this one. So right. okay. One song that kind of freaks me out is uh, Horse Latitudes by The Doors. Now, this song, it's on, um, it's on, uh, uh, shit, it's on it's one album, Strange, Strange People, or, People, people, people are, are Strange, strange sorry, yep, okay. that album. Um, and it's just Jim Morrison fucking reading off some of his uh, weird poetry, and there's like, set, like, there's like wind and thunder and shit, and he's just like, Ah, ah, he starts screaming and shit. That always freaks me out. But you know what? Other song. He walks of... a fine line between brilliance and insanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Sorry. Um, but his, uh, the other song, uh, always creeped me out as a kid. Is fucking Piggies by the Beatles. Okay, I I'd have to listen to that again. I think. <laughs> I'm so not... I think, I think is that like Revolver or something? No, or... it's on the White Mystery... Album. Okay, okay. I think uh, I'm gonna choose Horse Latitudes by okay. the Doors. Cool, cool. That's fucking weird. Let's do it. Um. I'll show you the other one after. So, okay. anyways, thank you guys for listening. This was a great podcast. Thanks, thanks for having dude, me, brother. Thanks for, thanks on, for having. Oh, oh, oh! oh you no, dropped your good. phone. It's, <laughs> it's an good. iPhone too. Um, Why do they make them with glass screens though? Yeah, dude, it's all that's fun. a conspiracy. I'm actually lucky. I've I've never broken any of my nice. screens. 
That yeah, happens, man. it's broken right now, and I can't Dude, tell. There was one time Will had an iPhone in his pocket, and he walked fucking full force into a fire hydrant, right? So, like, he was in so much pain, and he was so fucking pissed off. He was like, Jesus Christ, phone's going to be, like, it's going to be shattered, right? Yeah. He takes his phone out of his pocket, and instead of shattering the screen, uh, it dented the metal, and the screen popped off straight while the metal was bent <laughs> never seen that before at all dude the glass stri- stayed perfectly straight in the metal bent that's fucking funny glass didn't break crazy anyway conspiracy yeah it's the hashtag conspiracy. I have the documents hashtag third eye um, I have to get the documents but I just don't have them on me okay <laughs> I just don't you know I'm saving them for when I die under mysterious circumstances to release to the media okay I don't have them on me duh <laughs> Duh. All right. Thanks for being on, man. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, l- uh, I have the link of the Spotify playlist in the uh, bio, and um, oh, and yeah, if you guys, well, this is around. Uh, this should be out by Halloween. Um, go check out our our YouTube channel. Look up Chamber Six Media. Alex is. I'm not in. Actually, it, no. Tony Alex Pepperoni is. Tony Pepperoni is in, is in this sh- uh, show that we did. Tony which Pepper I directed a piece and, of shit. and <laughs> I helped write. It's called Yummy Cooking with uh, Kurt Yummy. So check that out. Go to our YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, uh, give me some suggestions for themes and stuff. So thanks again, Alex. Thanks for being on. Got it. Thank you. Um, and have a good night, guys. Later. It's all in the eyes of a dreamer. It's all in the eyes of the man. All the things that we've done in life and all, all the things that we've planned Can the world be as sad as it seems? Where are man's hopes? Where are man's dreams? Or oh, the eyes of a dreamer in the eyes of the man All the songs have been sung And all the saints have been hung The wars and cries have been wailed And all the people have been jailed The world is yours, my friend It's yours to begin or to end Oh, the eyes of a dreamer In the eyes of the man Take nothing from nothing Brother, and it's all just the same For the loser is the winner, and there ain't no blame. It's just the end of the game. The moment is ever constant in the mind. Everywhere I look, the blind leads the blind. Here's your chance to step out of time. There ain't no reason and there ain't no rhyme. For the trouble you bring is the trouble you bring. And a thing is a thing, just a thing is a thing in the eyes of a dreamer. It's in the eyes of a man Where are your hopes? 
Where are your dreams in the eyes of a dreamer? All in the eyes of the man. And you are the man. When the still sea conspires in armor and her sullen and aborted currents breed tiny monsters, true sailing is dead. And the first animal is jettison. Legs furiously pumping their stiff green gallons. 